The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning does indeed come from St. Luke chapter 11, 1 through 13. It can be found on page 1613 of your Pew Bible. Today I'm going to read uh, a different version that is in the Pew Bible. Our Pew Bibles are the NIV. I'm going to read from the ESV. It's titled The Lord's Prayer, beginning at chapter, or verse 11. Excuse me. No, I, I did mess this up, didn't I? No, I didn't. Okay. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be, thy, be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up give and give you anything. And I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, who will give him a scorpion? If. You then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. The theme for today, as I mentioned earlier, is prayer. And in the Old Testament reading, we heard how Abraham prayed for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in the gospel, 
we heard of Jesus teaching the disciples to pray and then giving them a parable that teaches us to pray boldly, boldly. My mom had a word for being bold. Sometimes she called me brassy. Did anyone ever get called brassy or you heard that? It wasn't a compliment, I don't think, but it was an observation, brassy. In the Old Testament account, we see a fascinating balance between respect and boldness. You see, Abraham prayed with tenacity, and he worked his way from 50 people down to 10. And Abraham was very bold, and yet at the same time, he was full of respect. In the end, it seemed as though it was not enough. Because when we read about Sodom and Gomorrah, we learn that there were not even 10 righteous people in the city, not even 10. And God still destroyed them. It seemed as though God did not answer Abraham's prayer. Even so, there was a way in which Abraham's prayer was so very successful. You see, Abraham was really praying for the life of his nephew Lot. He had made the really bad life choice, that is Lot, and his life choice to move and settle in Sodom. The truth about that is that his choice put him and his family in the direct line of fire of God. And then we learn that angels came to Lot and, and they evacuated him and his family before the cities were destroyed. However, the cities were destroyed. Lot was safe, but the cities were destroyed. Abraham's prayer was answered, but just not in the way that he expected. In today's gospel, we learn how Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer to the church. The wording is a little different from what we call the Lord's Prayer, simply because we use a version found in the King James translation of the gospel according to Matthew. And then the gospel for today is that I read was from the English Standard Version, and it's the gospel according to Luke. Today's gospel includes a fascinating parable that comes along with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, let's take a moment, if we can, to think about how absolutely counter our culture this story is, the, the neighbor. A lot of people don't even know their neighbor, so even that makes it even stranger. Jesus asks us, he asks you and me, to imagine that a traveler has come to our house and we have no refreshments. And so we try to borrow some refreshments from our neighbor in the middle of the night. And he asks us to imagine that we make an absolute pest out of ourselves until the neighbor gives us something just to make us go away. Can you imagine that? Who in their right mind 
would do such a thing. Yet Jesus himself invites us to pray in just this way. God really wants to hear what is on our minds. God is eager for us to pray with boldness. And so we pray the Lord's Prayer so often that we don't really notice how incredibly bold it is. And our Lord Jesus Christ has given us a prayer that has seven petitions in it. Seven petitions. And each of these petitions uses a it uses an imperative verb, an imperative verb. Now, for those of you who have tried or have been successful in forgetting your grammar as soon as you left school, uh, an imperative verb has, has the form of a command. Okay? It's a command. So listen to these petitions. Pay attention to the form of each petition. They each take a form of a command. Let's really listen to how bold they are and exactly who's giving the command to whom. Hallowed be thy name. This, this petition has a two-letter verb, be. And be is in the form of a command. Thy kingdom come. Again, Come is an imperative verb. It's a command. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Be done is an imperative, a command. Give us this day our daily bread. Give is a command. It's an imperative. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Once again, the verb forgive is an imperative. It is a command. Lead us, not into temptation. The verb lead is imperative. Deliver us from evil. And once again, the verb deliver is an imperative. And Every one of the seven petitions uses a verb that is an imperative. That is a verb, again, that expresses a command. It's pretty brassy, pretty bold, and Jesus is telling us this. So what kind of boldness does it take to talk to the ruler of this and every universe and use imperatives? We would never think to talk to God this way if Jesus had not taught us to do it exactly this way. And how is it that we can come before God? How is it that we, his creatures, can come before God with such boldness? And we begin to see the answer to that question in the way Jesus begins the prayer. He begins the prayer with, Our Father, who art in heaven. In the introduction to the gospel, according to John, John teaches us that Jesus is with God and is God and is the light of the world. 
And within that description are these words, John 1, verses 11 through 13. He says this, he records this. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of will, or of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And with these words, John is telling us that one of the things that we will learn in this account of the gospel is how God works the miracle, the miracle of converting his enemies into his children. When we learn how enemies of God become children of God, we also learn how the tiny little organisms, you and me, who live on a dusk, dust speck, the earth, how we can talk to the ruler of the universe using imperative verbs. We're his children, and we've been given that right to be called it by what his son accomplished on the cross for you and for me. We are his kids. Now, the difference is found in Jesus Christ, the one who teaches us to pray also makes it possible for us to pray. The one who teaches us to pray is the one who set his face to go to Jerusalem. Why? He set his face to go to Jerusalem in order to tear down the wall of sin that makes us enemies of God. He tore down that wall by offering himself. He offered himself as a sacrifice to make the payment for what our sin requires. And Jesus allowed his enemies to nail him to a cross so that he could offer those same enemies a place in his family. He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do as they nailed him to the cross. And with his suffering and death on the cross, he makes us his brothers and children of our heavenly Father. This is a certainty because Jesus did not remain in the grave after he died, but he rose again from the dead and has ascended to rule at the right hand of the Father. We know this to be true. And in his explanation from Luther, Luther's small catechism, he gives us some of the most beautiful words and that is this, our Father who art in heaven. The explanation asks, what does this mean? Our Father who art in heaven, what does this mean? And the explanation is this, by these words, God would tenderly encourage us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children so that we may ask him confidently with all assurance as dear children ask their dear father. By the suffering and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are God's children. We have the right to enter the throne room of the universe, God's throne room, and we have the right to crawl up on God's lap 
and to talk to him using imperative verbs. We can pour our hearts out to him about anything. We poor sinners. We can approach God boldly for the sake of Jesus Christ. And we can be brassy. And we can be stubborn. And we can be persistent. Because after all, Jesus himself teaches us to pray that way in today's gospel. Now the closing verses teach us that God always answers our prayers in the way that is best for us. God is the giver of good gifts, and he will not give us a serpent if we ask for a fish. And he will not give us a scorpion if we ask for an egg. It is God's will for his redeemed children to pray boldly. It is also his will to answer boldly. And there will be times when, for our own good, God will answer our prayer in an unexpected way. And we can see that in today's Old Testament reading. Abraham only asked God to spare Sodom if there were ten or more righteous people in the city. And strictly speaking, strictly speaking, if you just go word for word, Abraham's prayer said nothing, absolutely nothing about rescuing uh, Lot if God did not find ten righteous in Sodom. Abraham's prayer, strictly speaking, would not have allowed Lot to die in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. God's answered Abraham's prayer with boldness. He went beyond Abraham's prayer, and he did indeed rescue Lot. God always boldly answers our prayers with what is best for us. One more time, God always boldly answers our prayers with what is best for us. And sometimes the things that are best for us are things that we will not understand on this side of glory. Such things may uncomfortably stretch our faith. Some things may cause our faith to grow. And such things may involve pain. And some things may involve sorrow. Despite all that, we can know that God gives us the things that are best for us. After all, we know that God loved us enough to sacrifice his only begotten son for us. And he will not always, well, <laughs> he will always give us the things that are best for us. Amen? Jesus invites us to pray boldly to God as, as children pray to their Father. And He can extend this invitation to us because He shed His blood to break down the wall of sin that stood between us and God. He, he can do that. Only He can do that. And Jesus offers to make us children of God. And the Holy Spirit 
gives us faith that takes Jesus up on that offer. It is by faith that we are saved. And through the Holy Spirit's gift of faith, we are the children of God, the heirs of the kingdom. We are the king's kids. And he gives us the right to pray boldly to God. And we close our prayers. We close our prayers with the word amen. Kind of a funny word. Martin Luther explains the word amen this way. Amen. What does it mean? I should be certain that these petitions are acceptable to our Father in heaven and are heard by him. For he himself has commanded us to pray this way and has promised that he will hear us. Amen? Amen. That is to say, yes, yes, it shall be so. Jesus teaches us to pray. And the throne room of heaven lies open before us. And God, our Father who art in heaven, is ready to listen to whatever we have to tell him. And the privilege of prayer is there for all who believe. It is one of the many gifts that God gives to us with his presence here in time and forever in eternity. It is in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.